From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to this Monday edition of Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, over the weekend, three members of the U.S. military were killed and nearly three dozen wounded in a drone attack by Iranian-backed militants. The president and I will not tolerate attack on U.S. forces, and we will take all necessary actions to defend the U.S. and our troops. That was Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin earlier today. We'll get the latest on how Congress is responding to this escalation from Florida Congressman Mike Waltz, who's also a retired Army Green Beret colonel. Is the Biden administration being too timid in protecting American interest? What would you say to those people who are who, critics who would say, look, they're not being tough enough on these militants. They're not being tough enough on Iran. I would also ask, would they, do they want a broader conflict? Do you want us in a full-scale war? That was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Charles Q. Brown, in a recorded interview that aired yesterday on ABC. Our own general, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, joins me later to talk about, do we need to avoid escalation or do we need to deal with a threat? And on the home front, the invasion on the southern border, well, it continues. We're being invaded. Okay. Make no mistake. One message, yeah. America, we're being invaded. Joe Biden, Mayorkas, Kamala Harris, all are lying about it. And every death, whether uh -huh. they drowned in the river, whether they're killed in America, whether it's okay. by MS-13, they're all yeah. on the hands of Joe Biden. That was Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. He joins us here on Washington Watch later. We touched on the latest Pew Research data regarding the drop in the nuns. That's uh, those who don't identify with any religion. We're going to break down the numbers as the nuns are not as monolithic as they're made out to be. And also, where does Gen Z line up among the nuns? We're going to talk with Kyle Campbell, host of the podcast Politically Basic, later here on Washington Watch. Our word for today comes from Job, chapter 29. Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God's, God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, and when by his light I walked through darkness, just as I was in the days of my prime, when the friendly counsel of God was over my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me. Job, during his crisis, he looked back on the time of his life when God's favor was upon him. Now, Job didn't understand what God was doing or why, but he knew that he could trust him. When we can't hear or see God at work in our lives, when it appears that he has shut us off, we need to hold on, as Job did, not to our righteousness and ability, but our hope, which is anchored in God's character and nature. To join us in our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. And let me remind you, this Wednesday, the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance will be taking place here in our nation's capital at the Bible Museum. Dr. Jim Garlow and I will be hosting this gathering. We're going to be joined by several, several dozens of people, leaders from across the nation, in fact, uh, across the world. We have 32 different nations will be with us. House Speaker Mike Johnson and about two dozen members of Congress will be praying. Uh, that is this Wednesday morning, begins at 7.30 a.m. And you can find out more by texting PRAYER to 67742. That's 67742 or PRAYDC.org. 
Well, months of escalating attacks on American troops in the Middle East turned deadly this weekend when a drone attack in Jordan killed three U.S. service members and injured at least 34 more, marking the first killing of U.S. troops in the region since the October terrorist attacks on Israel. President Biden promised retaliation, but since October, his administration has dithered in the wake of the escalating attacks by Iranian-backed proxies. Join me now to discuss how the U.S. should respond and how Congress is going to approach this. As Congressman Mike Waltz, he serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. He represents the 6th Congressional District of Florida, and he's a retired Army colonel. Congressman Waltz, I was going to say colonel, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to see you. Yeah. Hey, thank you. I'll respond to either and uh, look forward to praying with you this week. The, the country and the world certainly needs it. Well, I, I mean, when you look at the, the headlines on any given day, whether it's here in the United States or Middle East or Europe, I mean, we, we need to pray. Well, and, and first and foremost, for the families of the two Navy SEALs we lost last week and now for the, the three reservists uh, in Georgia, they received that knock on the door that that the family of every service member dreads. And what's so frustrating to me is I think it was completely uh, preventable. Uh, and we've seen now uh, time and again uh, that our adversaries uh, from the withdrawal to Afghanistan to Vladimir Putin now to the Ayatollahs in Iran uh, smell weakness in this White House. They see opportunity. And as I've said time again, you can put all the military capability you want into an area, ships, planes, tanks, but if our enemies don't respect and fear the commander in chief and his ability and will to use it to impose consequences, then we're going to have what we have right now, which is a world on fire. I mean, what we're hearing, Congressman, is well, we don't want to escalate. We don't. We don't want to get in the middle of a war. Right. It's. It, I'll be very candid. It reminds me of uh, some of the political debates we have here in Washington, where Republicans take off the table. Well, we don't want a government shutdown, so we're not. We're just take these things off the table. I mean, this is the same thing internationally. We're taking off the table that we're we're gonna hurt, we're gonna hit you hard and we're gonna make it hurt. Yeah. So you know that that sounds reasonable. You know, say well, we don't want to de- de-escalate. We don't want this thing to spread. But look at the actual results. The exact opposite has happened. And that's because our adversaries hear something very different. They hear, oh, okay, uh, Biden and his team around him in the Pentagon won't punch back. And that's kind of like, you know, to to simplify it, that's being on the schoolyard with the bully that keeps picking on you and you keep telling them, well, can I just give you a little more lunch yeah. money? Uh, can I just be nice and you'll be nice too? It doesn't That's not work how that it way. Operates in the Middle East. They yeah. respect strength and they respect consequences. Uh, and just to go back to a few years ago, Iran was broke. ISIS was defeated under President Trump, uh, and as a result, we had the Abraham Accords and, and right. peace uh, uh, breaking out. I, I, but I, I, now, now we are where we are. I want to emphasize that point because so many people, especially in the Democratic Party, we see this every time they come into control at the State Department. And, and, and quite frankly, there's been a lot of Republican administrations the same way. The Middle East does not respect diplomacy. What they respect is strength and the willing to use the willingness to use that strength. Well, that's right. And and I'll just remind people, because you have others saying, well, why do we even have troops there uh, in, in the first place to be 
targets for Iran. The troops are there to actually go after ISIS and to keep a lid on terrorism. And I don't know anybody who didn't celebrate the taking out of Baghdadi uh, or Osama bin Laden uh, or uh, Zawahiri or, or any of those other uh, terrible uh, individuals that will attack the United States if we let them. Uh, but Iran sees them now as a target of opportunity. They're getting away with it because they can. Uh, and uh, I, again, until you hit them in a way that counts to them, hitting back at some of their proxies or bombing a warehouse in the middle of the night to check the box to say you did something uh, isn't an effective response. That's not how you demonstrate strength to restore peace. Right. Uh, so we'll see what Biden does uh, in the coming days. I, I want to get your response to this. Uh, f- former U.N. weapons inspector David Albright is out saying, look, telling the, the Biden administration, yes, you should retaliate, but not not in a direct way. Go, go after their proxies. Don't go after them because you'll only motivate them to uh, rise to the level of having a nuclear weapon. I mean, come on. They're pursuing that anyway. Look, Tehran, this is their whole model, will trade the lives of proxies and militias uh, that they frankly don't care a whole lot about. They're just useful tools. They'll trade those lives for the, the lives of Israelis and Americans all day long. That's a that's a good trade for Tehran. Uh, President Trump's team realized that and said, no, you've got to take out Iran's Field general, but the same quote-unquote foreign policy experts, you know, told Trump the same thing. Certainly, he, you know, as as Trump is saying, thankfully he didn't listen to him. You've got to hit Iran proper in a way that it matters. That I, I want to be clear, Tony. I'm not talking about sending in the Marines to Tehran. We're not talking about World right. War III or, or, or an invasion. There's cyber. There's its operatives running around the Middle East that. You, you can take down, but most importantly, dry up the cash. Right. You've got to go after we're, the we're cash. We're releasing and right it. now. Iran is selling billions of oil to China. Their foreign currency reserves are through the roof. We have to go back to a maximum pressure campaign uh, because otherwise, they're just going to keep funding all of this terrorism. Uh, Congressman, I would see this as an opportunity. They they have attacked us. They've attacked our military. They've killed Americans. I, mean, I see the door opening here where we can hit them hard and we can hit them where it hurts, and that would be in their nuclear plan, their, their nuclear program. I mean, this would be the, the, the golden opportunity to take that out. Well, we can, uh, we can certainly disrupt it, delay it. Uh, I do think it would take a pretty massive attack to completely wipe it out. But I think to take your point, let's kill two birds with one stone, because at the end of the day, people say, well, why does it really matter if, you know, if Iran gets a nuke? Let me tell you what, uh, we should believe them when they say they want to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. And the rest of the Middle East will explode in a nuclear arms race, the Saudis, the Turks, the Emiratis and others. Uh, and that is something that should raise the hair on the back of your neck uh, for, for, for every American. So, uh, look, we have to hit back in a way that demonstrates strength that imposes consequences and then restores uh, stability. And if we can take down part of their nuclear program as part of that, uh, that's something we should certainly look at. So why is it so hard to see the connection between having a weak approach, this, oh, we don't want to ask, we don't want to escalate. We, we just want everybody to be, you know, live together in peace. 
why can we not see, I mean, we can see it, but why do we have diplomats, why do we have an administration that does not see that that approach is only making the world less stable and America at greater risk? Well, this this kind of fallacy of appeasement is, is has been around a long time, but it is especially prevalent in this team that's around Biden, because it was the same team that was around Obama uh, that yanked us out of Iraq with no plan. What do we get? We get an ISIS caliphate that explodes on the scene that thinks we can buy uh, our way out of uh, Iran's nuclear program and gets us in uh, to the Iran deal. That thinks if we're nice enough to people like uh, Cuba and Venezuela uh, and others, that they'll be nice back. It is it's it's at its fundamentals uh, in in a pre an appeasement and conciliation approach that has never worked, does never work. But you have some real um, you have some real disciples of it, uh, and they are very prevalent in the team that's around Biden, which is really Obama 2.0. Congressman, I always want to uh, express my appreciation to you for your service to our country. Uh, not only in the military, but uh, on Capitol Hill as well. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. All right. Thank you. And again, prayers for those uh, sad and the new Gold Star families. Absolutely. Mike Waltz, Florida Congressman. Uh, yes, I, I've actually, in my time in the Marine Corps, one of my assignments had to make those next of kin notifications. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've seen the impact up close and personal it has on these families. And we need to pray for them. Good reminder from Congressman Waltz. And we need to be praying for our nation. We've got challenges at every front. And so join us this coming Wednesday for a day of uh, a gathering for national, a national gathering for prayer and repentance. All right, don't go away. General Jerry Boykin joins me here next on Washington Watch. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. 
it is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. And by the way, before we went to the break, uh, to find out more about Wednesday's prayer event, the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance, text PRAYER to 67742. That's PRAYER to 67742. All right, we're continuing the conversation on the deadly attack on U.S. service members in Jordan. On Saturday, President Biden and Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin have vowed the U.S. will respond, but has the president and his administration shown that they will take the necessary actions to defend the United States? I mean, they're already saying, well, we don't want to escalate. We want to make sure we keep this measured. I mean, why would you signal to your adversary that you will only go so far? I would rather keep them guessing. Joining me now to discuss this is General Jerry Boykin, Executive Vice President here at the Family Research Council. General Boykin spent the last four years of his 36-and-a-half-year military career serving as the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence at the Pentagon. He was also one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. General, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. Good to be with you. So President Biden vowed American, uh, America would respond. What options should the military be considering? Everything that we can think of that uh, is humane, we should be looking for every opportunity and every type of, uh, I guess you would say, uh, every type of uh, going after them. Yeah. I brought this up with uh, Congressman Waltz. Would this be an opportunity to look at their nuclear program and set it back? Certainly it would. And, and I, you know, the, the question is, why haven't we done that before? Why haven't we looked at their nuclear facilities before? Why haven't we gone in there with the, uh, with the nuclear inspectors and done just that? You see, it was supposed to be part of the JCPOA that we had the authority to do that. And then we started backing out of it, and uh, and it went away. So, our State Department, our the Biden administration, saying, "Well, you know, we we don't want to escalate. Uh, you know, they want to use the diplomatic means to resolve this." Is there a fundamental misunderstanding of the the 
Middle Eastern mindset. I mean, Congressman Waltz talked about it. They understand strength, power, and the willingness to use it. Indeed, they do. And, and, you know, their... Their religion is, was, was developed, if you go back and read about Muhammad, it was developed to control the people. So where this, where's the spiritual angle of it? And people don't understand that. that. Yeah, we all serve the same God. You hear that all the time. No, we don't all serve the same God. Not at all. And uh, as a result of that, we don't understand them and they don't understand us. Well, I would say the we, the we would be the predominant mindset in uh, Foggy Bottom at the State Department. Yeah. The the secular mindset that thinks religion is something people pay no attention to. As evangelicals, we understand the Bible actually gives direction to our lives. So therefore, the Quran would give direction to those who follow the Quran. Absolutely, no question about that. And and and. If you read the Quran, if you just sit down and spend some time and read the Quran, it is eye-opening. I, I read the Quran, and it is eye-opening is what you see. But what you see there is that, uh, once again, uh, there's nothing good in that book. There's nothing good in it. And, and people would try to say that, that it is, it's, it's all the same God. No, it's not. And that's... I think that's very much part of the problem here, and and people that don't understand that are people like Joe Biden. Right. Israel certainly understands the risk that Iran poses; it's an existential threat threat to them. May they might they be the ones who respond to this rather than the United States in a decisive manner? You know, I'll tell you, it would end a lot quicker if they would do that. But I'm not sure that. Uh, that's going to be acceptable. I think that the relationships between the U.S. and and uh, all those Arab nations, and I, I think it would be damaged in a, a, a rather significant way. Now, it, that may not be a bad idea anyhow, but I would just say that uh, w- this would have to be thought through and we'd have to know exactly what we were doing uh, before we encourage them or help them uh, to go in and do uh, what you're thinking right now. I mean, if if Iran is doing this now through proxies, yeah. I mean, this, this is they, they they hit a military target. They hit U.S. service members. I mean, we have nearly three dozen that were wounded, three were killed. If they'll do this now, what will they do if they have a nuclear weapon or weapons, an arsenal? First of all, let's come to grips with the reality that they. They only need about three or four days to have a warhead, and so if they only need that much time, odds are they already have the warhead. They already have it. And that's why I I find it so bizarre that we um, we don't force their hand on this. Force them to pony up and show what, show what they have because that's what the JCPOA says. And we haven't looked at them yet. And I just think it's time for us to get hard with them, not only uh, in in all the battle spaces that we have some influence over, but also uh, with regards to this, this nuclear program. Right. We need to see what they have. 
and they've already admitted. In fact, I just heard two days ago that it it will take them three, two to three days to produce one nuclear warhead. That's frightening. You know what they can do with one wo- nuclear warhead? Big much. Say it. General, out of time, but very quickly, last question. How do you see this playing out in the Middle East? I will say this. Uh, the Israelis will not be defeated. They just simply will not be defeated. And I believe with all my heart that that is biblical. I think you're going to see a lot more bloodshed before this thing is brought to you. All right, got to leave it there. General Jerry Boykin, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Good to be with you. And, and folks, actually, on Wednesday at our National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance, we will be praying for Israel. Uh, that will be one of our focal points. So join us. Go to PrayDC.org. All right, don't go away. When we come back, Lieutenant Governor of Texas Dan Patrick joins me here on Washington Watch. Stay tuned. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Monday. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. And again, uh, coming up uh, this Wednesday, the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance. I'll have more about that in a moment. But with the House of Representatives back in Washington this week, coming in uh, tonight, members of Congress await the terms of a proposed border security agreement negotiated by the White House and a bipartisan trio of senators 
Now, this comes as 25 Republican governors continue their support for Texas Governor Greg Abbott and his continued standoff with the Biden administration regarding the crisis at the southern border. Now, what will come next in this escalating battle between Texas and the Biden administration? Joining me now to discuss this is the lieutenant governor of the Lone Star State, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Governor Patrick, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you. Good to be with you, Tony. You know, I was just thinking uh, in your intro, when we first met, it goes way back uh, to New Orleans in 2006 when I was running for the Senate. A long time we've known each other. That's Thank right. you for everything you do. Well, I was thinking about that as I was preparing for the program when we first met, and now how you are on a national stage. You know, Texas is a big state anyway, but because of what's been happening in Texas, because of the stand that Texas has taken, I mean, this has become a national issue. You've got half the country's governors standing in support with you because this issue is so important. Give us the latest. So it's it's risen to this level, Tony, and I'm glad it's risen to this level. So for the entire uh, country to see what's going on and know what the Biden administration is really not doing. So I go back to working on this issue since I was in the Senate back in 2007. And just to give you a, a, a small snapshot, back then we didn't have any money in the border security, because it wasn't an issue in 05 and 07. I, I was able as a senator to get $100 million in, and then about $200 million in our budget. And then when I became lieutenant governor, we increased it to $800 million. And now, Tony, it's $4 billion, $4 billion of taxpayer tax money. Now, we do a two-year budget, so that's $2 billion per year. Uh, we have thousands of troops there, hundreds of DPS, our, our state troopers, local law enforcement. And we have seen this border go from being secure under the last year of Donald Trump to now uh, not secure, never secure. Um, uh, it's going to be 8 to 10 million people, Tony, who have crossed in this country illegally since Biden became president, about 2 million a year. And that's, and that's the one, remember, Tony, those are the ones that come across the 28 points of entry and surrender. That doesn't count the ones that got away that we see and can't catch or the ones we never see. Our border between Mexico is the same mileage between Atlanta and Georgia and Portland, Maine. Um, it's a big border that we have to uh, secure. And we finally, with the buoys in the water, with the wire we have, with the, with the uh, container uh, vessels that we have, we have shut them down. And this park there, you know, that's been all the talk the last week, we had somewhere around two or 3,000 people a week crossing there a day, I'm sorry, a day a few months ago, and now it's virtually zero. And you have the president that wants to come in and cut the wire and stop us from doing our job. It's outrageous. And I was there Friday to back up our troops, support the troops. Uh, the governor was out of the country, so I wanted to be there with them in case the Biden administration showed up. They didn't, and I'm glad they didn't. We didn't want a confrontation. We just wanted to stay out of our business and let us secure the border. I mean, Governor, this is a lot of money that the citizens of Texas are putting into this to secure not just your border, but by extension, that that benefits the rest of the country. It benefits the rest of the country, and we don't mind standing up uh, for Texas and the rest of the country when the federal government should be doing their job. Excuse me. But um, $4 billion, I'll, I'll put that in perspective, that's bigger than probably six or seven states' entire budgets. <clears throat> and, and we're doing the job uh, because 
Look, here's here's what's happened, Tony. I want you to put this in perspective, and all all of your viewers and listeners. Uh, of those eight million that have crossed, again, that's the ones that we've apprehended. If we think we get one out of every two, that means 16 million have come in during the Biden administration. That would that would make the state of illegal immigrants the seventh largest state in the country uh, after California, Texas. Florida, New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois, the state of illegal immigrants. Even at the numbers of 8 to 10 million, it would be the seventh largest state if they were all in one place. And in that number, Tony, we have uh, gang members, we have drug dealers, we have carjackers, we have kidnappers, we have rapists, we have molesters, we have murderers. Um, and again, these terrorists on the watch list, uh, we've caught nearly 300 terrorists on our watch list. People are coming here from all over the world. We just apprehended someone from Lebanon the other day. They've come here from Syria. They've come here from everywhere you can imagine, from countries that are not our friends. So Biden is letting, and by the way, Tony, the days of families and children, there's still some crossing. These are mostly single men, 18 to 49, I would say, coming in, or 18 to 40 even, coming into this country. We don't know where they're going. We don't know where they are. We don't know what their objective is, um, but it's... It is dangerous for America. Uh, Governor, we're up against a break. Can, can you stick sure. around for two minutes and come back? I I, I've got I two more questions that I want to ask you that I think our, our, our listeners would want to hear. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick of Texas, my guest. Uh, we're talking about what's happening on the border there in Texas. By the way, this is going to be an issue here this week in Washington as uh, Congress is back. Text the word border to 67742 border to 67742 and, and sign the petition that we're going to deliver to the Republican leadership to stand firm on protecting our southern border. All right, don't go away. When we come back, we're going to finish our conversation with the Lieutenant Governor of Texas, Dan Patrick, and then Kyle Campbell joins me to talk about the nuns. What nuns? Well, we're going to talk about it. Coming up next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. 
Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. All right, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Monday. Again, text the word BORDER to 67742. All right, uh, sticking with me, the lieutenant governor of Texas, my good friend Dan Patrick. Um, I, I, I want to ask you this, this question. In fact, I want to play yeah. this clip, uh, you know, because, as you know, there's this negotiation going on up here about, uh, you know, some border security in this supplemental funding, which doesn't look like there's going to be much of anything. But I, I just want to here's a here's a, an example of how the left rewrites history. Play clip number eight, please. Remember, Donald Trump didn't do a much better job. Uh, presentations reached a 10-year high at the border under Donald Trump. The only reason that fewer people started to show up was because COVID hit and nobody moved anywhere. That was uh, Senator Chris Murphy of uh, Connecticut yesterday on CNN State of the Union. Uh, I'll let you address that. Yeah, just another lie uh, from all the Democrats. And that's a strong word to use, Tony. I don't ever really like to call someone a liar. But I look at Jean-Pierre. Uh, the press secretary, she lies every day. Uh, Mayorkas lies every day. Kamala Harris and the president have lied about border security. And what is frightening to me is it's one thing when someone lies to you. That's bad enough. But when someone knows that you know they're lying to them and they keep lying, I mean, when they say the border security, it's just a joke. I mean, look at these numbers. And, uh, you know, I, I was actually reading Revelation last night, and I'd been reading it for some time. And and I've compared Biden and, and Harris and Mayorkas and, and John Pierre to the four horsemen of the apocalypse in terms of the fourth, um, the death rides with them. And Tony, the tragedy of people drowning in the river who can't swim, but Biden invites them to try. Uh, the tragedy of the women raped constantly coming across the border and children put into sex slavery. The tragedy of fentanyl being the number one killer of Americans now, 18 to 40, 
the tragedy of the police officers and the innocent civilians who have been killed by either drunk drivers who are here illegally or MS-13 or other criminals, um, all that death is with the Biden policies. Yeah. It's real lives here. And, and so this border issue, and there's so many things, so many bad policies from the Biden administration, crazy policies. But this is life and death of individuals and life and death of our country potentially if we don't have a border and we need a we need what this plan that they're they're talking about to let so many thousands of people in a day is ridiculous uh, shut the border down no one should come here unless we approve of them coming or unless they qualify for asylum which only about 10% actually do because no one should have to come to America in the back of an 18 wheeler and suffocate or drown in the river and uh the parties need to come together, have legal reform. But the first thing you do before you do that is secure the border, right. lock it down tight. And in November, when I believe Trump will be elected, next year we'll lock it down tight. But it was that way in his last year. And I, I went to the border yes, twice. It, it took him a while to get get the right person yeah. in control to get the border shut down. But it was like a and ghost find the town. Money. Yeah. It, yeah. The, the remain in Mexico policy was working. Work. It was working. Yeah. And. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up all of these circumstances and in, in, in the side effects of an open border. Yes. Because this is not compassionate policy. This no. is policy that is in, this is policy that's enticing people to take actions that that are deadly. And it is, it, as you said, it's leading. He, the, this mother and two children that drown. Yes. That's the result of the policy enticing people to come to this country illegally. Yes, it is. And think about this staggering number. By their own admittance, there are 85,000 children who have crossed the border illegally. They don't know where they are. They don't know where they are. And, Tony, when someone crosses the border and our law enforcement and, and, and look, Border Patrol rank and file men and women are with Texas, and we're with them, and they work together hand in hand. And I'm glad that Biden didn't send his top brass down to confront us Friday. That's why I was at the border, to, to back up our troops and to be there with them in case they showed up. Uh, we weren't looking for a confrontation. But, and, and if they cut our wire, we have more wire than they have wire cutters, trust me. We, and we're going to put wire everywhere along the border. But th this, this entire idea of this impact, I mean, I say all the time, where did these people, where, where did 8 million people go? Right. Where do they live? Right. Uh, they, what do they do for a job? What American jobs are they taking? What schools are they filling up? What emergency rooms are they filling up? We've seen in New York recently they had to, they had to display students out of schools just to put illegal immigrants in it. This is this is our founders never believed that any president would allow this to happen. And you know we've had this argument over invasion. We believe it's an invasion. I, I, I believe I've known you. I, I, and, yeah. and and it's an invasion by an armed cartel who's in control of the border. Yeah. It's an invasion of people here and all the criminals crossing and the terrorists crossing. It's a there's a reckoning coming if we don't secure this border. It's going to be bad for America. And it's going to be at the feet of Joe Biden. That, that's my final question for you, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. We've heard people say, well, is this leading to a civil war? How does this play out? I mean, we have half the country standing with Texas because they know how serious the problem is. And we have an administration here in Washington that thumbs its nose at the rule of law, which is the foundation of our republic. Yeah, there will not be a civil war. No one wants a civil war. We, look, we don't want a confrontation with the federal government. I don't want to stand down between, you know, I said this when I was on the river the other day. 
why would Joe Biden want to come down and and have his people against some of the finest young men and women in the in the country who are in our National Guard and our law enforcement? Why? Why? So th there's no confrontation. That that whole talk and that, the media, not you, but the media has kind of started up. That's not going to happen. When I say a reckoning, this is what I mean. There's going to be a reckoning because when you continue to allow this, uh, we're going to have a terrorist attack from the inside, potentially. We're going to have much more crime to where the people can't take it anymore. We're going to have schools and hospitals overcrowded where the people say enough is enough. And a reckoning by this is going to be straightened out. Yeah. And it's going to be straightened out. Heaven forbid, don't want to see it uh, ever by an attack by some of these people who have crossed the border that we don't know who have terrorist intentions, potentially. Or it's going to be a reckoning at the... At the uh, at the ballot box. Right. This can't continue. You know, all of his policies, the, you know, the boys playing girls sports, the take away your gas stove, you know, everybody should drive an electric car. By the way, they don't go very far, as Donald Trump likes You can't to get across um, Texas in an electric you car. You can't get across, you can't get anywhere, but you go down policy after policy, him stopping the natural gas the other day, um, exports. This is, he's wrecking America. If you designed a plan to destroy America from our culture, our schools, our healthcare system, our energy, our military, our border, Joe Biden is on that plan. Yeah. And for what reason? Maybe we'll never know. Maybe it will be the history books that will tell us. But I believe it's the Marxist socialist left yeah. that wants to create chaos because we have chaos on the border and our schools and our economy and uh, our culture everywhere. And that's what those who want to kick God out of America to take over a country create is chaos. And that's what's happened. And um, I pray that uh, that reckoning comes at the ballot box and we take yes. back this country. Well, I want to thank you, uh, Dan Patrick, and I want to thank uh, the governor of Texas as well, Greg it. Abbott, for the bold stand that you all have taken that has brought the national attention to this issue. And I pray that that reckoning does happen at the ballot box as a result. Dan, always great to see you. Thanks so much for taking time to right. join us today. Don't mess with Texas. I'll just come visit. I'm not going to mess with you. All right, Dan Patrick, Lieutenant Governor of uh, Texas, great guy. Well, look, the world's on fire. I mean, the Middle East could totally erupt at any moment, as we were talking about. And as Dan made uh, reference to several months ago, I, I said what was happening at the southern border was a soft invasion. Well, over the weekend, 10 retired FBI directors and experts in counterintelligence said what is happening at our southern border is a soft invasion. You know, morally, as Dan pointed out, our nation is bankrupt. So what are we to do? Scripture says we should pray. We should repent. We should turn to the Lord. And that's the purpose of the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance that's going to take place this Wednesday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time here in D.C. at the Bible Museum. And you can join us, even if you can't get here. It's sold out, but you can join us. Text the word prayer to 67742 or go to PrayDC.org. All right, so data released last week by the Pew Research Center indicates the number of Americans who do not identify with any religion fell three points last year from 31% to 28%. Now, despite this decline, the legacy media's take claims that religion's influence is fading, noting that the nuns, that's the N-O-N-E-S, those are those who have no religion, that they outnumber Catholics and evangelicals and individuals as individual groups. But that doesn't tell the whole story. What does this reflect generationally in terms of the change in our country? And, and how can Christians reach these nuns with the love of Christ? Well, joining me now to discuss this is Kyle Campbell, creator and host of the upcoming podcast, Politically 
basic. Kyle, welcome to Washington Watch. Great to have you. Hey, Tony. So good to be here. Thanks for having me on. So let's talk a little bit about these numbers uh, from the Pew Research Center indicating a decline in those who are classified as nuns, That meaning, meaning they have no religious affiliation. We've seen, you know, the younger generations less inclined toward faith, but I've long said that you got to break these numbers down, that it's not a rejection of God, but organized religion that in many ways has become milk toast and has abandoned truth. So why bother? Right. I'd agree with that. You know, where Politically Basic is really focusing is on Gen Z. They are a fascinating generation, and I don't think too many people are paying close attention to them because we think they sound so young. Well, they're not that right, young, right. actually. Gen Z is aged 11 to 26. They're actually going to make up 12 million voters in this election this fall. That's a huge voting demographic and block that could easily sway a presidential election, especially when there is so much at stake. And so what's so interesting about this, I'll agree with you that I don't think it's necessarily a rejection of religion in general. I think these are youth who've come through COVID when we were separated very much from a church experience. Um, We're coming back from that, but now we're seeing a disconnect, right? A disconnect from this generation, and I'll say millennials too, but particularly Zoomers feeling disconnected from what's being taught in the church, what's being preached, and it's really tracking alongside how they're trending politically as well. So it's really fascinating. I'm, I'm grateful for this Pew Research to see that things are, things are really aligning across the board and we can put those puzzle pieces together and figure out what's going on with such an important generation with so much influence. Yeah, I want to contrast the millennials to the Gen Z mm-hmm. group. But first, I, I want to, in breaking down these numbers where they say these nuns, it looks like a big number, but only 17% identify as atheists, 20% is agnostic, mm-hmm. and 63% nothing in particular. So they're just, they don't, it's not that they don't believe in God, they're right. just not connected to a religious denomination or affiliation. So yeah. that, that's kind of misleading when they say there's this huge group, 31% now down to 28% of so-called nuns. Yeah, and again, seeing the same trend politically, but I, but I think you're right on. They're not... They're not willing to or ready to pick a side here. Yeah. Uh, We're seeing that in 52% of these Gen Z voters saying they're independent now. They're registering as independent, and those numbers are trending up. So it's a generation who doesn't necessarily um, want to reject uh, spirituality or God or religion or Christianity. They're just saying, we want more information. We're seeking you know, give us the truth. We want to find the right place to land. Um, but they don't, they about, don't have that yet. Let's talk about that because the millennials are kind of like, you know, they're, they're touchy-feely. They just leave me alone. <laughs> don't bother me. Leave me in my corner. Mm. Um, Gen Zers seem to be a little, they seem to have more of a commitment and they, they have some really strong beliefs. Oh, absolutely. They're an incredibly passionate um, generation. They are fired up to stick to what they do believe when they do make that decision and then take action. So it's really interesting right now because they do have tremendous influence. And going forward in 2028, you better hold on to something because millennials and Gen Z are going to make up 
a majority of, of these votes. And so they really are seeking, and I think that we have tremendous opportunity right now, particularly in the church, but with our political parties as well, in reaching them because how? they are seeking. How do we reach them? You know what? What's fascinating is our educational system and our church and our government are all vying to be the ones through that open door. You know, we, we have this generation. They, they want the truth. They want the information. And quite often what we're seeing is all of those negative influences rushing to be the first ones through the door. Mm-hmm. So what's really interesting to me is now Gen Zers are not relying um, – mostly on Google as their search engine, they've switched over and they're using TikTok as their main search engine. So (laughs) your face. That that scares me. I thought Google was bad. Well, it's a really interesting shift that we're seeing. You know, they want the information. They want the truth. If the church isn't out there giving it to them, if what they're providing is milquetoast and these stats are saying that this isn't what they want, somebody else is going to get through that door first. Well, uh, very quickly, because we're up against the end of the program, but that's why the podcast is coming out. That's exactly what Politically Basic is aiming to do. We're focusing on millennials, Gen Z, and breaking down the basics of every political issue, making it okay to talk politics again. Um, It's it's all fascinating, interesting stuff, and we're really excited about launching this spring at Politically Basic and politicallybasic.com. I hope you'll come on the show. I look forward to being your guest, (laughs) Thank you. Thanks Thanks for for having me. Absolutely. (laughs) And folks, I want to thank you for joining me as well today. Again, check out the website, TonyPerkins.com, and join us Wednesday for the prayer event. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 